Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your favorite quarterback hater, Robert Mathis, and you're listening to the For the Culture Podcast. It's the For the Culture Podcast weekly wrap-up show, episode two. I'm your host, Luke Diamond. Not a crazy week for the Colts. It was actually pretty quiet, actually super quiet this week in terms of Colts news. And if you think back to the week where Matthew Stafford was being rumored to get traded to the Colts or the 49ers and eventually the Rams, it was also super quiet that week in terms of quarterback news, in terms of what the Colts are going to do, if the Colts were in or out on Matthew Stafford. But there was a ton of news coming out on hirings, the Colts hiring coaches, coaches retiring, coaches leaving, going to Houston, going to Philadelphia. So there was a lot of news that week. There just wasn't a lot of front office news. There wasn't a lot of quarterback news for the Colts. It was very vague. And now we're witnessing very similar trends here. Very vague. But there's no coaching news on top of it. The Colts coaching staff is pretty much set for 2021. So there's not a lot going on right now with the Colts. Just a couple of rumors here and there. And most of it has to do with the Colts and Carson Wentz. This back and forth between Chris Ballard and Howie Roseman. And Howie Roseman's absolute delusion of what's going on right now with Wentz in Philadelphia. And the trade market for Carson Wentz. Last year, he drafted a quarterback in the second round. Which tells everybody around the league that they were already starting to doubt Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is being paid like a top five quarterback in the league, but last year he played like he was a bottom five quarterback in the league, and then they bench him during the season. So I'm still scratching my head trying to figure out how the Philadelphia Eagles could look at Carson Wentz, could look at his contract, could draft a quarterback last year in the second round, and then could bench Carson during the season for said quarterback that they drafted, and then still think that he has immense trade value that just doesn't add up if you have a guy who's valued at a first round pick or multiple first round picks and he's getting paid like he's an elite quarterback and he plays like he's the 32nd or 34th or 36th quarterback in the national football league and then you bench him you really think one of the other 31 teams is going to say oh yeah here take these great assets so we could take that quarterback and take that terrible contract off your hands if you trade for Carson Wentz Yes, he could turn into a franchise quarterback for you and you could strike gold and you could hit a home run on him for sure if you fix the issues that are blatantly obvious. I mean, he has a ton of issues. He was awful last year. Could he be fixed? Sure. But you're still paying for a fixer-upper. You don't pay top dollar for a house that needs to be repaired. You pay for it on the low and then you bring it in and you fix it. And with Carson right now making the money he's making, it would be insane to give up multiple first round picks or even one first round pick and that's what the Eagles are looking for at this moment and here's a clip of Jaws on ESPN talking about Howie Roseman and what he's looking for in a Carson Wentz trade. It just seems uh, that this has really gone off the rails obviously you know the Eagles and Howie Roseman are are, are trying to prop Carson Wentz up uh, to create the best value in him Uh, the talk is of uh, uh, a number one, you know, uh, almost similar to what Detroit got for the Jared in the Jared Goff situation, two number ones and Jared Goff. Uh, that won't happen here. That will not happen. Uh, my understanding is that the Colts have offered uh, two second round draft choices and maybe uh, a third or fourth somewhere down the road. Um, that appears to be the best offer I have heard uh, from all the sources that I have around the league. That's the best actual offer that has been made. Um, I'm sure uh, the Eagles, Howie Roseman, Jeffrey Lurie would, would like to get a number one out of this, but uh, as of now, that that doesn't seem to be happening. All right, so a couple things to break down here. First off, you have the Eagles 
value on Carson Wentz. Their valuation on Carson Wentz is a first-round pick, possibly two first-round picks. Joe says, like what the Lions got for Matthew Stafford. And Stephen Reed put out a great tweet this week that the Eagles are looking for a Matthew Stafford-type return. But when you look at the Matthew Stafford trade, which was Stafford for two firsts, a third, and Jared Goff, the Eagles think that Carson Wentz is Matthew Stafford. But when you look at that deal, Carson Wentz is actually Jared Goff. He's the Jared Goff in that deal, which is dumping a bad contract. Because when you look at that deal, in my opinion, it's two first-round picks for Matthew Stafford. And it's a third-round pick to say, here, we'll give you a third if you please take Jared Goff off our hands. We already have a starting quarterback. We don't have the cap space to keep Goff as a backup. He's too expensive to cut. We can't cut him, and it'll be hard to trade him anywhere else. So please take him in addition to the two first-round picks plus a third-round pick that we'll throw in to get him off our hands. So you dump Matthew Stafford. You get two first-round picks to rebuild. We'll even throw in a bonus third-round pick. Yet the Eagles actually look at this trade, and they think that Carson Wentz is the equivalent of Matthew Stafford, but he's not. He's Jared Goff. He's a guy who was okay a couple years ago, very good in 2017. You look at Goff, he got to a Super Bowl a couple years ago. Carson Wentz was phenomenal, MVP caliber in 2017. That's four years ago. And he's getting paid like he's a top five quarterback, and he's just not a top five quarterback. He's not even close to a top five quarterback. He's closer to a bottom five quarterback than a top five quarterback at the moment. And the Eagles just have this insane value on Wentz. And I just, I've never seen it in my life where a team benches a player and they think that player is worth a first round pick or two first round picks. It doesn't work like that. And Eagle fans, the same Eagle fans that were calling for Carson Wentz to get benched during the season, were celebrating when he eventually did get benched, are asking for an astronomical amount. You have Eagle fans asking for Darius Leonard and Kenny Moore and Bobby Okereke in these trade deals. It's not going to happen. We're not going to give up win-now pieces. We're not giving up a first-round all-pro to get your broken quarterback. Because at the end of the day, that's what Carson Wentz is. He's a broken quarterback. He needs to be repaired. And this narrative, this notion that a player is valuable simply because he's a tangible player, simply because he's an athlete, is not right. It's just wrong because there's such thing as addition by subtraction. And if you trade for Wentz, what you're really doing is helping the Eagles out. You're taking a massive contract off their hands. You're taking a player who they could never get back together with. You look at what's going on, how hard they're trying to trade him, drafting a quarterback last year, benching him, and now all these trade talks. It's impossible for Carson Wentz to return to Philadelphia, and it's double impossible for him to start a game next year and actually be the starting quarterback ever again for the Philadelphia Eagles. So that's done. That marriage is over. There's no chance that Carson Wentz returns. If you're the Eagles, you also have $15 million of guaranteed money coming Carson Wentz's way on March 19th. So that's coming up in a little over a month. We're about four or five weeks away from them owing him guaranteed money, $15 million for his 2022 roster bonus on March 19th, 2021. So that's coming up right around the corner. You really want to trade him before that date if you're the Philadelphia Eagles. So they've dug themselves this gigantic hole and they have absolutely no leverage in the situation. Yet 
on the trade market, they value him like he's Matt Stafford, like he's a top 10, top 15 quarterback. They're paying him like he's a top five quarterback. They bench him. They draft a quarterback last year. They have the sixth overall pick this year where they could draft another quarterback if they don't like Jalen Hurts. And there's no bidding war. So they have absolutely no leverage. They have no leverage. They don't have teams bidding and fighting and scratching and clawing for this player like they, for some reason, thought they were going to get. And now they're stuck in this position. So you have the guaranteed money coming up. You have a draft where you're probably going to want to maybe at least explore the option, the opportunity to draft a quarterback this year in the top six. And the entire situation is just a head scratcher if you're the Philadelphia Eagles. If this deal is on the table, if Chris Ballard actually offered two second round picks, why in the world have you not accepted this offer yet? So this is alleged. I do know me and Jason can confirm from our guy that Ballard has had a deal on the table now for about a week. I think earlier this week he put that on the table that his final offer was on the table. Now, I don't know if what Jaws is saying is Ballard's offer. Jason and I never got any inside information beyond that to the point where we were notified what the deal was. The Colts never released that. So nobody has released the Colts side of this. This is Jaws, a former Eagle quarterback, talking to his former organization, who he obviously has close ties with, and putting this information out there. So when I look at it, I don't know if it's true. A, because I don't think that Chris Ballard would value Carson Wentz at two second round picks, especially if nobody else is even bidding with you. Like there's no market right now for Wentz. So why would you even go that far and knowing Ballard and how much he loves his second round picks and all the great things he's done in the second round, his four years in Indianapolis, I really can't see it. And then on top of it, this would benefit the Eagles because if you're Philadelphia, wouldn't you want this information to be out there, even if it was false, to get another team in on the bidding war, to get Chicago or to get Washington or another team to the table to say, okay, we'll up you and we'll go two second round picks. Our picks are better than the Colts or we'll go with a first and a third. So when I look at this report, I think it's very interesting because we know the Eagles are delusional. We know the Eagles have this incredible value on Carson Wentz in terms of a trade, but have no value for him returning next season. And that's pretty much off the table. And then you have what the Colts have allegedly offered. So I don't think that Jaws is making this up. I think Jaws was told this information by the Eagles, but I think that it's false information that the Eagles planted because the Eagles wanted a bidding war. I think they wanted multiple teams. They wanted competition, which any team trading anybody should want competition because you drive the price up that way. But at this point, it's not going to happen. At this point, it's clear that Carson Wentz wasn't good enough. There's no leverage. There's no competition. He's just not a valuable entity right now at this moment to the point where if you took Carson Wentz right now and he was a free agent and he was asking for the type of money he currently has on his deal, I don't think there would be many buyers on the open market in terms of a free agent contract for Carson Wentz. So now you bring it back to a trade. Not only do you need to pay what's left on this contract, but you also need to give an asset to Philadelphia. So I go back to my, why is a player valued just because he's a tangible player? We have to get away from that narrative. We have to get away from that notion that just because a player is a player, even though we all talk about addition by subtraction, getting big contracts off the books. Why should I have to give you something of value 
if on the open market as a free agent, most people wouldn't even touch the contract that he currently has. So if Carson Wentz right now was a free agent, would the Colts pay this much money? Would they give him this contract? No, because he's not worth this much money. So if we have to trade for him and we have to inherit and absorb that contract, why would we give you two second round picks? That's why I really don't feel like the Colts even offered this much. It's possible, but I feel like it's fabricated by the Philadelphia Eagles. So the Colts trade is on the table. Why? Why do the Colts have the best offer on the table right now for Carson Wentz in comparison to the Bears or another team out there that might be interested in Wentz at a lower price? Well, it's because the Colts have Frank Reich. And the analogy I used this week on Twitter was a car. If Wentz was a car, we have the mechanic to fix him. We have the mechanic to pimp him out, to get him back on the road in the best shape possible to be running smoothly. Is it guaranteed? No, there's no such thing as a guarantee. It's not a lock that you get Carson Wentz back to 2017 form in the first year. So we're still taking a risk. We're still paying that contract. We're still helping the Philadelphia Eagles by taking that contract off their books. So why should we, we're already doing them a favor. Why should we pay as if he's already fixed when we're the ones that's going to do the work? We're going to take on the contract. We're going to pay him and we're going to fix him. So why should we pay for a broken down car that needs a new engine when you're not selling us that quarterback in his peak form? So I believe we have the mechanic in Frank Reich. I believe if we took on Wentz and we went through that fixer-upper stage and we buffed out the hood and we gave him a new paint job and we patched up the flat tire and we gave him some oil, I think we could fix him up. I think we could get him back to almost that point where he was playing like an MVP in 2017. I think we have the right pieces. I think we have the right ingredients. I think it's possible in Indianapolis but he's not that right now. So why should we pay for what we think we'd be able to do? You're not going to buy a broken down car as if it's a brand new car with a thousand miles on it. You're going to pay for what it currently is. And if you have the ability to fix it, then you will increase that value when you get it. Nobody else is bidding. There's not a bidding war. Nobody else sees the same type of value right now in Carson Wentz because I don't think Matt Nagy thinks he could fix him. I don't think Ron Rivera thinks he could fix him. But Frank Reich believes that he could fix Carson Wentz. But that's still an us. That's an us problem or an us solution. So why should we, as the Colts, who have the offensive line, who have the coach, who have the playmakers, who have the defense, who has the culture, why should that team pay more money when we are the team that will be able to take the broken product and fix that guy. The Eagles are desperate right now to get rid of Carson Wentz. Which is why the more I talk about it and the more I think about it, I really don't feel like Chris Ballard has two seconds on the table. Unless it's two seconds waiting for Philadelphia to give us a future first round pick. Or a future second round pick. Or this year's second round pick so we swap seconds and we move up in the second round. And then we're essentially giving them next year's second pick for Carson Wentz. Because Wentz is at the point now where you're really doing Philadelphia a favor. Philadelphia would kill for somebody to take him off their books. At least I would think. That would be my thought process. Because he's dead weight right now. 
He's not carrying his own weight in Philadelphia. He's making a crap load of money to be a backup caliber quarterback, and they don't have the coaching staff. No disrespect to Nick Sirianni. I wish him the best in Philadelphia, but they don't have the coaching staff right now that they feel, obviously, that could fix him. They have Jalen Hurts sitting there, and maybe they take another quarterback this year in the top six. So when I look at Carson Wentz right now, I view him as a player where if I was the Eagles, I would take anything I could get just so I don't have to pay him, especially that $15 million of guaranteed money coming up in March, which is right around the corner of about four and a half, five weeks. That date is coming up, and it's coming up quick. So if you're Philadelphia, you really want to get rid of him to the point where you would almost pay somebody. Like if you're doing somebody a service, you don't expect to pay them for you to do the service for them. If you take a taxi after the cab driver drives you to your destination and you get out of the taxi, does the cab driver tip you or do you tip the cab driver? Because we would be doing a favor for the Philadelphia Eagles, not the other way around. And that I think is what the Eagles are having trouble grasping and comprehending at the moment. They have dead weight on their roster. They have a contract from hell right now on their payroll. And they are desperately trying to get rid of it, yet acting like they have what everybody else wants. They're not the prettiest girl at the prom, but they think they are. And they think every guy wants them, but in reality, nobody does. There's not a lot of bidders right now. And they're going to be in for a rude awakening because they're never getting that first-round pick. Jaws says they think they're getting that first-round pick. It is not happening. Two first-round picks? (laughs) I mean, two first-round picks? For a bottom five quarterback, that D-V-A-R-O-A, whatever that quarterback grading system is, had Carson Wentz as the 34th ranked quarterback in the National Football League last year. The same Eagle fans that were begging for Carson Wentz to be benched, begging for him to be benched, are asking for a first-round pick, two first-round picks. And fans are fans, right? All fans, we're delusional, we're crazy, we have fun, we're fans. Howie Roseman is almost equally as crazy and delusional as the Philadelphia Eagle fans. Thinking that he could get Matthew Stafford value, two firsts, Goff, and a third, when in reality, Carson Wentz is Jared Goff in that deal. He's not Matthew Stafford. So that's what's going on right now, at least on the Colts-Eagles front. You have Chris Ballard in a boxing match with Howie Roseman. And I'm sorry, Howie. But it's not going to end well for you. Either Chris Ballard is going to win the trade running away or it's going to be an even deal where both teams win. Chris Ballard does not lose on trades. He hasn't lost on a trade up until this point. I don't see it happening in the near future because he doesn't take those massive risks. There'll be a minor risk with a big upside on the reward end for the Indianapolis Colts. The other big news, Jason got a call this week. Extremely reliable source. Same guy gave us some really great information on coaching hirings this offseason. We trust this source big time. And he didn't give us a lot of information in terms of names. But he said that the Colts are going to be super active looking for an edge rusher in free agency. Edge rusher and wide receiver. Now, I understand that Jason put that tweet out this week. And a lot of people were like, Oh, that's so vague. You're being so nondescript. And I get that. And if you don't want to believe it, you don't have to believe it. When you look at this roster and Bowd getting more aggressive as the years have gone on last year, making the trade for DeForest Buckner, I think it all adds up. If you want to say that we're just taking a shot in the dark, that's fine. We did release some really big 
coaching hirings like James Rowe and guys Montgomery that would not be easy to guess that the Colts would land. So I personally would trust what Jason and I are saying. If you don't want to, you don't have to. But the word on the street right now, what Jason got a call about this week, is that the Colts are going to pursue a big-time edge rusher on the free agent market this offseason. He got that call a couple nights ago. The next morning, J.J. Watt is released. And Houston right now is a dumpster fire. We talk about Philadelphia and Howie Roseman, everything going on with the Carson Wentz situation. You have a much better quarterback. You have a top-five quarterback right now in Houston who wants out. You have the whole Nick Casario, the whole Easterby situation, Bill O'Brien getting fired. Everybody thought, oh, the Wicked Witch is dead, and now all of a sudden – Houston's going to be a good spot again. They're going to start winning. Deshaun Watson's going to be happy, but it's been the complete opposite. Bill O'Brien was the first domino to fall in an absolute dumpster fire in Houston. So you look at the last year and a half and all the elite talent that has left Houston. You have Jadavion Clowney. You had that terrible, terrible, which is really the tip of the iceberg trade with the Arizona Cardinals basically giving away one of the best wide receivers in football for nothing in DeAndre Hopkins. I think they got a second round pick and David Johnson, the corpse of David Johnson back in that deal. Now you have JJ Watt becoming a free agent. They cut him with one year left on his contracts. You get nothing for the three time defensive player of the year in JJ Watt. And you have Deshaun Watson who wants out and he has a no trade clause. So I don't think Watson's ever going to play another game for the Houston Texans, and he has no trade. So if a team offers you five first-round picks, he could say, nope, I'm not going there if he doesn't want to go there. So they're in such a terrible position. That organization is such hot trash right now. Everybody thought that Bill O'Brien getting fired was going to be a fresh start, but it's really been the beginning of the end because it just seems like they're getting worse and worse and worse over there in Houston. And I'm not complaining as a Cole fan as we see a generational talent now on his way out in J.J. Watt. So you look at the Colts angle of this, Jason gets a phone call the night before J.J. Watt is released saying that Chris Ballard is going to actively be pursuing a elite defensive end, an elite pass rusher in free agency. Next morning, less than 12 hours later, J.J. Watt, one of the great pass rushers of this generation, if not the best pass rusher of this generation, arguably a Mount Rushmore defensive player, three-time defensive player of the year, one of the all-time greats to ever do it, is released by the Houston Texans. It's mutual. You know, they both want to go their separate ways. Obviously, a massive rebuild is coming in Houston, and J.J. Watt being one of their great players, they give him the benefit of the doubt. They set him free now in free agency. So I think it might just be coincidental, only because when I look at J.J. Watt and I look at what we heard and Chris Ballard saying he wants an elite player. I don't know if J.J. Watt is still elite. The career, the career accolades, what he's accomplished, the accomplishments, the name on the back of his jersey, fantastic. Second to none in the National Football League. He's that good. He's that great. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. But Ballard doesn't like paying guys for what they already did. He likes paying guys for what they're doing and what they're going to do moving forward. So I think J.J. pretty much checks every box except the age and the durability and the direction of the arrow. His arrow is pointing down. Ballard likes guys who have arrows pointing up. And I just don't know if Ballard would look at J.J. Watt as a guy who could come in here and improve 
over the next three years where you could see two, three years of solid productivity in J.J. Watt. And over his last five years, he has missed 32 games. So age, durability, injuries starting to build up, an issue with Watt. Now, also, it could be said that over the last three years, he's only missed eight out of those 32 games, playing in all 16 games in two out of the last three years, including every game in 2020. But in 2020, for the first time in his career, while playing a full slate of all 16 games, we have seen a decline in production from J.J. Watt. Now, a lot of that is probably playing on a terrible defense where they could double you every time. If you put him next to DeForest Buckner, I could see him being that elite player once again. DeForest Buckner and J.J. Watt playing next to each other would be an incredible tandem along the defensive line. So I definitely think it's a possibility. I think we'll be in on the J.J. Watt sweepstakes, but I don't know. There might be a guy out there who is considered elite right now in Ballard's eyes that he could plug in next to DeForest for a longer period of time who hasn't been banged up over the last couple of years, who has an arrow pointing up rather than an even keel or an arrow pointing downward. So right now, I don't think the Colts are going to be the top suitor for J.J. Watt. Would we make sense? Yes. Would I hate it? Absolutely not. I wouldn't love it as much as a lot of Colt fans, I think, would love signing J.J. Watt, but I definitely wouldn't hate signing J.J. Watt. You're talking about one of the all-time great players in the history of the National Football League, spent his entire career up until this point in Houston. We saw him twice a year. Phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal football player. Belongs, like I said, on the Mount Rushmore of defensive players, at least in my lifetime. He's one of the best I've ever seen. Right up there with Aaron Donald. He is that good, that great. So I wouldn't hate it, but I think there might be better options out there for the Colts. So we'll see. What I would guess right now, my prediction for J.J., I would say either going to the Packers, back home to Wisconsin, chance to win a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, down to Tampa, Tom Brady, chance to win a Super Bowl with the Bucks, Kansas City. Now, cap situations might be difficult for these teams, but if they can make it work financially, Tampa, Kansas City, Green Bay, any of the top obvious Super Bowl contending teams, I think we'll be in the running if we want to make a run. At J.J. Watt. And then Pittsburgh is super intriguing because his brothers play there. You have Derek Watt, who is a fullback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then you have T.J. Watt, who probably got robbed this year of the Defensive Player of the Year award. He's on his way to becoming the next J.J. Watt. He's like his older brother. He is insanely good. We saw it this year when he just completely destroyed us in that Week 16 matchup. So right now, I would say he goes to one of those top-flight contenders, if not Pittsburgh, who could also be viewed as a top-flight contender. I know people are going to bring up the cap situation for the Steelers, but I do believe, in my opinion, that Ben Roethlisberger will take a pay cut. If he takes a pay cut, that opens some money. Maybe you don't bring Bud Dupree back, and then you have an option to sign J.J. Watt. If I was J.J. Watt, what I would do, your brothers still are going to play for a long time. They're both young guys in this league. If I was J.J. Watt, I would go try to win a championship, see if I could sign with the Chiefs. Now, I don't know if the Chiefs would be able to afford him, but maybe take a pay cut, go sign with the Chiefs, try to win a Super Bowl, go chase that ring, win that ring, and then go sign and play with my brothers and play out the final years of my career on the opposite side of T.J. Watt. I think that would be pretty cool if I were J.J. Watt. But it's exciting, guys. As the offseason gets rolling, we still got all that in-house stuff to get to, in-house free agents. We're going to get to that next week, Jason and myself. And then we're going to start to dive into free agency because that is right around the corner in the month of March. 
And then we have the draft coming up in April. So fun time of year as we add players to this roster. We need that quarterback. We're still looking for that quarterback, whether it be a stopgap for 2021, like we saw last year with Phillip Rivers, a stopgap for 2020. Or if we can nail that franchise guy, if we can move up in the draft, maybe it turns out to be Carson Wentz. He's only 28 years old. So if you bring in Carson Wentz and he pans out, he could be a franchise quarterback for the next 7 to 10 years. That is a possibility. We just haven't really seen that trajectory for his career up until this point since 2017. It's been downward. But you get him with Frank Reich. They're able to patch things up, fix things, and you get him running again. Well, then maybe you have something there with Wentz. You just don't want to pay through the nose to go get that guy and him be damaged goods that is unfixable. If he's unfixable, then you're stuck with that terrible contract. So you don't want to give up picks to be stuck with a bad contract. You want to actually get picks back, get assets back to inherit that contract. And then if it doesn't pan out, then you say, okay, at least we got these picks in return. And it doesn't need to just be a pick. It could also be a player. If Zach Ertz or another win now player were to become available with the Philadelphia Eagles, that could also sweeten the pot for Chris Ballard. If you go back to January 29th, Zach Hicks was the first to report that the Colts were interested in Zach Ertz. Major publications have jumped out, and they have also reported that today, weeks after Zach Hicks, but that was reported a couple weeks ago on January 29th by Zach, saying that the Colts were interested in Zach Ertz, whether it be a straight-up trade Colts-Eagles for Ertz, whether it be a Carson Wentz trade where Ertz is added in addition to sweeten the pot, or if the Eagles were to buy him out of his contract and release him, the Colts would be interested in signing Ertz as a free agent. So obviously another connection there with Frank Reich, offensive coordinator with the Eagles back in 2017, Zach Ertz on that Super Bowl championship offense with Frank Reich, a guy Reich likes a lot. And when you look at Frank Reich's offenses in Indianapolis, they've gone three tight ends deep the last couple of years. Eric Ebron, Jack Doyle, Mo Ali Cox, Trey Burton, Jack Doyle, Mo Ali Cox. Could it be Zach Ertz, Jack Doyle, Mo Ali Cox in 2021? I definitely think it's a possibility, whether it be part of a Carson Wentz deal or not. Ertz definitely makes a lot of sense in Indianapolis this upcoming season. Trey Burton might not be back. He's a free agent, and that will be something we get to this week. When Jason and I get into the in-house free agents, the guys hitting free agency, do we bring them back or not in 2021? So that'll be this week. Jason and myself right here on the For the Culture Podcast.